The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Welcome to Straight Talk, Clear Decisions with Rick Saylor and co-host Eric Hamburg. As an investor, you should know what you're buying and what you're really holding. We'll demystify investing and lay it all out for you in easy-to-understand terms. Now, here's Rick and Eric. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. I'm Rick. And I'm Eric. And we are your Transparent Wealth Management hosts. Welcome to our show. And another happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. We love Fridays, you know, especially in the summer. When we can enjoy we need, it. We'd like to see more Fridays. Hey, we can put a petition out. I don't know how, I mean, how many how Fridays? How many Fridays could you get in a week in the summer? And we can go on a mission and figure out how many <laughs> we can try. Wait a minute. That's vacation. <laughs> I just got back from vacation. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's all good, but hopefully you guys are having a great summers. I know we are. Um, I've added a uh, member to my family. That's right. Got a new grandson, Joshua Rett, who's eight pounds, been enjoying him since we came back from vacation. What, about a month old now? Or a yep. little less than that? Yep. And uh, my granddaughter, Brooklyn, is a big uh, is a big sister and playing the role quite well, if I do say so oh. myself. <laughs> Helping out her mom and her dad. So uh, good job there, Brooke. Very proud of Josh and uh, and Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Another grandbaby. Hey, you know what? If I didn't know the grandkids were so cool, I'd have just skipped the kids. <laughs> it's easy as that, right? <laughs> easy as that. Well, I've also heard the other side of that is, you know, grandkids are the reward for not eating your young. That's true as well. Yes. So, you know, we've been on this summer series, Eric, and, and covering a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's, it's uh, I'll tell you, it's priceless, mm-hmm. virtually priceless. Now, you know, we, we spend over $10,000 on all the programs we're using with our financial plan program, doing things like the basic stuff of a financial plan that's integrated and dynamic, which means pulling live feeds and updating regularly. And like a financial GPS, it can tell you when you're getting off course. It won't self-recommend and reroute like a GPS that's does. Right. You need advisors who are competent and capable and have all the tools in their bags. And know how to get you back on track. So uh, how to be effective. So, uh, you know, you've got that component. But then we've also got Hidden Lovers, which takes over 60 scenarios that are headline kind of occurrences that could happen because there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And it tests it against your portfolio and, and says, based on how you're spending habits, what, how your money's going out and is coming in, is this going to increase or decrease your probability of success? Hidden Levers is looking at, let's say, uh, what if I ran, if that nuclear deal is, is, is uh, you know, approved, Mm-hmm. And uh, and here's the good, bad, and ugly possibilities of that. And you look at that range, and, and here's the impact on your portfolio. Yep, because some of your holdings might not be impacted by it. But if you've got any holdings that you know are in maybe oil, and if oil or Iran adds more oil to the already exceeding supply of oil, well, that's going to affect certain companies. But if you don't know if you have that exposure, how are you going to know what the effect is on your uh, portfolio? We should mention that uh, these are tools that are not cheap. 
a little pricey for you to buy them on your own. I think that one alone is five grand a year. But um, you know, this is what hedge fund managers use when they're looking at probable impacts on their holdings. That's what this the you know the hedge fund manager. Those are some of the smartest people in the market. Yeah. Seldom do they get it wrong, you know, more than once. They for don't get it always right, but they're some of the smartest people mm -hmm. and, and most successful. So, you know, I look at that, and that's the kind of tool I want in my bag, and we, we're giving you access to that. Yeah, because we want you to know what can happen. Not that all those risks and everything that happens is going to happen again, but we need to know the probability of it happening so maybe we can start hedging and protecting a portfolio for some of those certain scenarios if we're, if we're pretty sure some of that could happen. So, for example, I know last week we were talking about portfolio risk and allocation. You know, it's pretty color pie charts that yep. you see. And that's what asset allocation is. But, you know, for example, you say, you know, we were talking about how that interest rates and their impact on the bonds and the bond bubble we're in. Uh, that we know interest rates are going up, bond yields go down when that happens. And so because of that scenario, you know, we test our own portfolios and our holdings against that. And you may think, okay, well, here's bonds as a general asset class. Are they all bad? Well, no, we test them against what we think is going to happen and the way rate, interest rates are going to go up and go, hey, you know what? Didn't really impact our positions. Yep. So now we're not going to knee jerk reaction on that because that would be emotional. That would not be a logical decision. And so this is, this puts us back in the realm of logic versus feelings yep and one of the things just you know touching on that before we go is rising interest rates driven from growth that's good for that's basically that's good across the board but if you've got rising interest rates driven because of inflation and companies aren't growing and we're not spending that might not that might have an adverse effect on certain companies and certain investments because we're not there's companies aren't growing they're they're increasing their rate because they have to with inflation Right. So it's understanding why interest rates are going up and why they're going down is going to have you're going to have a better feel for how your portfolio is going to react or maybe not react at all. So if you missed last week's show, go catch that. It should be up on uh, iTunes or podcast. Should be posting on the Voice America website there. You can and see it and hear it there. And again, uh, encourage you to take advantage of this. I mean, this is a rare opportunity, over $10,000 in programs, and we usually charge $500 to do this process, and we're giving it to you. You just have to do the inputs. Yep. If you need some coaching, you need access, we'll, we'll send you all the information. Just send us your email address at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Give us your email address. We'll send you the access stuff and everything you need to to do your own plan. Yep. Or if you don't have email or you just don't feel like emailing, give us a call. You can call us at 513-454-9999. Provide us with your name and email address and we'll make sure, or maybe we got to mail it to you, but we'll get the information to you. So, you know, we're going to talk about another piece in the puzzle this week, risk liability and insurance coverages. Now, this is different than the risk we talked about in portfolio risk. Somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at a different way of how that, you know, how that you manage this. And that's today's show. So one of the things that I should be, um, should address is, is our end-to-end -end process. And, and we would highly recommend, if you're not working with a financial planner that's confident, do that. Because this is, there's a lot at stake here. Now, some do-it-yourselfers, God bless you, and, and hopefully this is helpful to you. Uh, but, I mean, there's, this is too important to miss, because it's rest of your life kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, 
so you know we like the holistic model we like the end-to-end process much like what steve jobs did at apple to mitigate the dysfunction between the pieces so that what does that mean there's four pillars in our industry you know from the investment side you know it's either it's either advisory it's fee-based or it's commission now i don't really understand the debate between those two because it's immaterial it's about finding what's broken and then finding the tool the best process is going to fix that so we do both of those one of the next pillar is taxes, both tax planning and preparation. We have partners that take over this this field for us, um, but we do both the preparation, which is that's technically that's your filing. Everybody has to file some sort of return. The planning portion is optional. So this is you know having our partners look through your past returns to make sure you are being efficient. And if you're not being efficient, or maybe you stepped on, I call it a landmine, or you paid on you know undue taxes in the past, maybe they can amend it and get some of that money back. But if they can't we know how to navigate possibly that landmine in the future so we don't make that same mistake. Third piece in what we're going to talk about today and, and a large part of what we're familiar with, but we don't actually do mm-hmm. a lot of these pieces in here. But, you know, you look at insurance, you look at the amount of risk you have and the coverages you have. I'm still reminded of that farmer's commercial where the kid's going to jump into the, looks like a big, lush swimming pool. And before he hits the water, it's just a little pond. So, and, and, the, and the image is very impactful. It's, it, basically what they're saying is you thought you had coverage that was big, and it turns out when the claim comes, it's just it's a little thing. So you're, you're undercovered. You're covered in the wrong places. And a lot of high net worth people, according to our insurance people, are undercovered or they're overpaying. So we make sure you got the right coverages. You're paying a fair price for it. And we're talking, you know, life insurance, long-term care, certainly property and casualty, health insurance, Medicare, a plethora of choices in that thing. Uh, too much gives me a headache. So uh, anyways, those are the, that's an important piece. And again, what we're going to talk about today. And there's one more piece. The last pillar is estate planning and elder law. So we work with estate planning attorneys and elder law attorneys and you know you've grown your assets you've accumulated wealth now it's time to get that in order so when that day comes you pass away that your loved ones your charities they're the ones who receive the bulk of your money in your assets not attorneys court costs health insurance hospitals you know so it's making sure your estate is lined up how you want it to be lined up and your loved ones actually receive the money in the asset so when you look at an end-to-end process and those pieces are, are functioning between the transitions and, and integrated as a whole, you end up with a whole picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just where people are communicating, I don't know how many times in our combined 40 years, that we've seen dysfunction between those pieces. Like, I remember when I was growing up, my family were in building, you know, in high school, I was doing that when I was going to school in my late teens and had an actual construction company at one point. And I'm watching, I remember back the custom home builders and how that they would go in and they actually did their own foundations for the house. And then they did their own framing. And then they did their own, they didn't do the mechanics like the electrical work and stuff like that, or plumbing. But they watched those guys and made sure they weren't cutting out floor joists and hacking up the thing. Uh, because in the end, they had to come back once the drywall was hung and the insulation and all the mechanics are in the, the, the building, that if they didn't get that right from the beginning, when they went to do trim, the trim wouldn't work. And then they'd have to modify it. And having been a carpenter at that point, I framed for a subcontractor and often had to do interior and exterior trim. 
And so I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw that. So it, it was embedded and ingrained in my... And you saw when it worked right and when it didn't. And it's the same analogy when I think about wealth management. If these pieces, if the builders, the quote-unquote subcontractors aren't working well and aren't looking out for each other for the end process, the end game and result you're looking for, they just go in and do their piece. But they're not paying attention. For example, let's say an estate planning attorney doesn't think about the impact of taxes. He's just thinking about his piece. He says, you know, you just want to avoid, you know, the federal inheritance tax at 5.3 million or something. And that's what you want to avoid. But he's not thinking about what we call legacy planning with IRA type assets, 401ks, 403b, deferred comp, where if that stuff is not uh, handled well, when somebody dismounts, you pass and it goes to the next generation, the biggest thing you're going to get hit with is income taxes. You can see half that account value go away. You thought you had a million dollars, now you have 600, 500,000. Because you just, you just paid, you made Uncle Sam your biggest, by default, mm-hmm. not planning, you made Uncle Sam your biggest beneficiary. Yep. And it's sickening when we see that. And all you had to do, there's something called a qualified trust provision that can be put in by a competent estate planning attorney who will, that will manage the payout rate for those assets, so therefore you're preserving them for your heirs. Mm-hmm. Now there's other ways to cover that, which some of the strategies we're gonna talk about today. You know, when does it make sense, Eric, to try to manage the risk yourself, whatever that given risk is, a market downturn, um, you know, a, a loss, let's say, of your house, your property or something, and when does it make sense to sell that risk to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I think that's really what we're talking about. It is, and it's understanding, and it's not selling 100% of that risk off. It's if you're willing to, you know, basically pay for yourself, you know, say 30% of that potential bill. Self-insure on that Self, first part. That's right. Self-insure the first 30 and get the insurance for the remaining 70%. You know, some people might be a little bit, they're willing to pay a little bit less out of their pocket. Some people are willing to pay more. It's understanding your situation and making sure once you know what you're willing to pay, Let's go see who's out there willing to insure the rest, who's willing to protect the rest. You know, if you're talking about a home or a car, if you want to pay 500 bucks max, well, make sure you get the policy that's going to going to cover you anything over $500. You know, I know that's too simple, but it's just looking at it in the in the risk management spectrum. You're going to take on the risk or an insurance company. You decide which one you want it to be. And I like that. I mean, I think of this. So, you know, you've got a given, you know, setting the stage for this. So with any given risk, market downturn, uh, your car, you know, your house, liability insurance, health insurance or health risk, you know, those kind of things. Um, and I should throw in here, baby boomers polled last spring. The number one risk that they were most concerned about was outliving their money. Was that 69 yeah. percent said that? A very close second was having a medical, uh, a critical medical kind of situation that they can't pay for, and that was 63%. So there's the number one and number two concerns, which Should is, be. Not, <laughs> is not overblown. Mm-mm. I mean, if you, don't, if you don't do these things right, if you're not tracking this well. So let's say you're, you're approached with any given risk. So you have this risk element. The first thing, the first choice you could make is you could decide to ignore it and kind of pretend like it's not there um, and you're just going to ignore it. You know, the second approach is 
you say, hey, I'm going to manage this. So let's say you're driving and, uh, and this is first scenario, you ignore the risk, you're driving down the road in a car and you have an accident. You're going to pay for that out of your pocket. You're self-insured. Mm-hmm. That's certainly an option, except for if you have a loan on your house or your car, they're not going to like that. <laughs> the second scenario is you're going to manage it. So I'm going down the road. I'm going to drive with my hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, and I'm going to go have an operation so I can my head will spin 360. You know, like that, that girl in, uh, what was it? I'm not a movie person. You know that. Oh, that's true, but <laughs> The Exorcist. Yeah, there you go. What was her name? Reagan. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> girl was head spinning and spitting green pea soup. Um, still freaks me out. So, I mean, that could be an option. You know, where you're just going to manage the risk and, and, and you're going to control it yourself. Now, the problem is that one time that you're not paying attention, that one time you miss it and you get hit. It could wipe you out. could wipe you out. You know, the third one I think about is you're going to sell that risk off to somebody else, part or all of it. You're going to say, hey, I'm not going to try to manage this risk myself. I'm going to go buy car insurance. And let somebody else cover I want to buy high insurance. And for a deductible. It's not free. Not free, but I'm going to co-insure with them because I'm willing. And, and, and again, understanding the concept of insurance, the higher the risk you assume, i.e. a deductible, mm-hmm. the lower your premium typically is. Because the insurance company, like for the first, let's say I've got a $1,000 deductible on my house claims. Well, the insurance company knows that that first 1000 bucks is on me. So they will price that accordingly based on risk exposure for them as a company in their region. Which, by the way, if you're looking at property and casualty insurance, you should most likely be revisiting that at least every, uh, every couple years. Because the region you live in, it may not be your personal loss experience, but it may be the region you're in. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, well, you know, maybe you need to shift to another company that doesn't have that kind of loss experience. So we're going to dig down a little deeper on risk liability and insurance coverages. And when is it smart to sell that off? And more importantly, how does that play out in the financial plan? We're going to talk about how to scientifically approach this, evaluate that. So if you've got questions, again, the way that you can access and get completely, uh, you know, access to the program Email us at info at straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Give us your email address. We'll send you a questionnaire. We'll send you the link to go in and get started on this. Or if you don't like that, call us at 513-454-9999. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense wealth management hosts, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate. And without, well, don't worry about it. The government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away. That might not be any fun. You may need it. Or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust 
can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life, two years later, it was over 8000 the three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions radio show with your no-nonsense wealth management host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Amberg. So, Eric, we're on this topic of financial plans in the summer series, and another important piece, a critical piece in the puzzle, is risk, liability, and insurance coverages. Knowing when to sell that risk off and when to keep it yourself. So for example, I think about, you know, the risk potentially to, to my health and being able to pay for that. Uh, I'm very proactive in my health care, uh, exercise, try to eat right, get a balanced thing. I only have a couple of bad habits, occasionally smoking cigars. And, um, you know, by doing that that way, I feel comfortable with taking a deductible under my health insurance that's like 4500 bucks, and getting a health savings account where the high deductible health insurance kicks in after that first 4500 bucks, It probably gives me more coverage from that point. That first 4500 is coming out of that savings account that I've been putting money into. It's special for that. So, you know, there's an example. Now, what do I get? I get lower health insurance premiums because of that. Your monthly premium is a little bit lower. I've got more flexibility and direction, and there's qualifying expenses that the money can come out of that tax-free out of the health savings account. But I like directing it that way. And back in the 90s, I was in a medical savings account. I mean, I like that. Mm -hmm. You know, being in the driver's seat more so. Now, some people are like, hey, I don't want that. I want first-dollar coverage. Well, I just understand you're going to pay for that. You're going to pay for that, right? Mm -hmm. So you hear people being insurance poor, but they're not evaluating, don't understand how the components work. Um, and one time I remember somebody saying they hate insurance. I said, that's a ridiculous statement. Just cancel all your insurance and you're self-insured. Yeah. But don't come complaining, you know, when on the other side of that, you have a claim and you got to pay for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is kind of what the unaffordable, affordable care act was about. Mm -hmm. was supposed to get more people insured. That's where it's really accomplishing all the things that it's you know, uh, that we wanted, or anywhere near that, but again, without getting into the debate, the whole idea is that you need, you need to have some kind of protection uh, to cover those risks. Uh, here's a good rule. 
don't only buy insurance for that which you don't want to write a check for. That makes sense. And I think another one, so, you know, that one was, was more in the area of health. But I think of one that is almost germane to the topic here with baby boomers, long-term care. There are 92 million baby boomers, people born between 1932 and 64. The peak users of health care are 80-year-olds, let's say. Well, if I look at that demographic group, that 90 million people, and say, where are they at right now? Well, the people born in 1932 are turning 83 this year. That's the engine of the train. The start. Coming into the healthcare claim sector and long-term care, we're living over lives. Mm -hmm. The caboose of that thing is people born in 1964 turned 51. That train's coming through the station. 10,000 baby boomers turned at 65 every day for the next 17 years. It ain't going to stop. Nope. So, to use improper English. So, you know, the... I look at that element and I say, if, if you're a baby boomer, you're not thinking about potential long-term care costs, better wake up. Yeah. I mean, I think, what, last year in the state of Ohio, the average annual stay was a little over $107,000. And every person's stay is going to be different because it all depends on how, much, how many of the services you need and, you know, how, many, how much care you need. But think of $107,000, you're there for two years, that's almost a quarter million bucks. That if you want to self-insure, you better have that and more be willing to pay for it. So the reason we're missing this because inside of the financial plan and that piece of the puzzle, there's a place you can go in uh, and you can input and say, hey, if I had a potential on that average and I had that kind of claim myself or my spouse, and then the program will tell you what the risk assessment is. And if you're better to buy, you know, I don't know if it recommends traditional long-term care or the new alternative, but it's this idea that you have some kind of coverage protection that's actually going to pay that expenditure. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to input into there, obviously, your premium. the premium you're going to pay. So are you better off to pay the premium or are you better off to pay the claim? Yeah. So I went through this personally, just a quick story. And, and if you've listened to some of the other shows, you've heard this. I managed my mother's care. My dad passed 11 years ago in August. And a great man, by the way. Um, my mom passed four years ago in November. Now... I managed her care. My dad was a two-time Korean War vet, so he saw active duty. My mom was eligible for VA benefits because of that. And we can give you some breakdown on that, too, if you're a veteran. God bless you, and thank you for your service to your country. Uh, my dad was. My mom got benefits, $1,056 a month. So in that first phase, we're using her Social Security. We're using that. She's in assisted living. She's in the beginning stages of dementia. So we put her into a facility, was not a dementia-friendly kind of unit. Within the year, she had walked out of there. So we go to another unit um, that is a complete lockdown. So the whole building is locked down. So it's much more dementia-friendly. However, for people who are losing balance and everything, not so good. It had a spiral staircase kind of deal, big, big swooping spiral staircase like maybe you saw in the southern mansion down at Gone with the Wind. You know, it was that kind of deal. Well, lo and behold, she falls. She's having a number of falls when she falls down the steps. Compound fracture in her arm. We shift her over to another facility, much more institutional in its feel, very sterile. I had a hard time with that, but I realized, you know, she's digressing. 
she needs a different level of care. So the first one was about $2,400 a month. The next one was right around $4,000. The last one was $8,000 a month. Now that's where she passed. Great woman, is she gone? You know, God bless you. Um, but managing her through those care segments, I thought, had my parents, you know, procured this kind of coverage, either in a traditional long-term care sense mm -hmm. or from the new alternative, which, which I'll talk about what I actually know, that that would have made the quality of life better. You know, nobody sitting around, I don't know anybody in our 40 years combined that says, boy, there's the nursing home I'm going to. You know, nobody thinks about that, right? You're not thinking about, unless you're there, you're at the crossroads. Um, and I hear people, oh, I'll just, I'll just end my life at that. Well, if you have the wherewithal to do that, mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to do that or not do that. I'm just saying, you know, I, that's, that's a abdication of responsibility. Because one of the things that does concern us when we look, and this is a whole different show, we'll have uh, our partner, Jeff Hendricks, on to come on and talk about, you know, Medicare or Medicare planning. Medicare does not pay for long-term care costs. They haven't, and I don't see the possibility they will with the sheer demand that's going to hit this market with baby boomers. 92 million of us and living longer lives. So, you know, you look at this and say, you know, you've got to plan for this. You've got to see. And if we input that into the plan, again, it should move the needle. If it doesn't, well, then you say, hey, so in my mom's case, I, you know, I could say it this way. Are you going to write a check? And this is very general. $8,000 a year for the premium. Or are you going to write one for $8,000 a month? There's your two choices. Because if you live long enough, your risk and, and, and possibility, even probability, I would say, is going up. Especially for a couple of husband and wife or, you know. That one or two people. Yeah, one of you is going to need it. Typically, it's, it's, it's the first one doesn't necessarily need a lot of it because you've got your partner there to help you through the way. It's really the surviving spouse. They're the ones who need it because... Yeah, you, probably, you might have family and kids, but if your kids have a family and they're grown up or they live out of state and they're not doctors, they can't fully take care of them. And that's where this protection really, really can either make somebody or break somebody. You understand, we don't sell this stuff. This is something our partners, we, we feel responsibility in the totality of the process to, to fill the voids and make sure that you're getting the best plan that you can. So, for example, um, and, and by the way, that's what I saw with my mom. My mom took care of my dad. And then I helped guide my mom's care um, and coordinate it. I didn't give the day-to-day -day care. But I look, and, I, and, and as a result of that, I bought one of the new types of, of life insurance that can actually be accessed if you're critically, chronically, terminally ill. Now, critical was like my mom in that last stage. That's 24-7 care. That's going to be the most expensive. Boy, was it. But, I mean, you really can't be without it consider the alternative so the second stage of care chronic well this is just one of those chronic situations but most likely i'm not going to be in a facility you know in fact you could probably most likely give me those services right where i'm at at your house at my house i'm going to probably get and this generally again five times the mileage out of those dollars because it's not 24 7 care you're coming you're providing a service you're leaving me where i'm at much more cost efficient um the last one is terminal, where you're not going to change the outcome. 
you know, we know we're all going to die someday. But terminal people get this evaluation, and they're usually pretty close. You know, I remember hospice, and God bless them. They were angels of God. And I'm on a foundation, on a board for that um, here locally, and uh, have supported that since they, I mean, they, they supported both, uh, you know, how both my mom and my dad. My mom didn't have terminal illness, but she had a do not resuscitate order, and so therefore they came in and helped me get a second set of eyes in the facility. But that having been said, I mean, there's so many things in terms of planning and, and how that you can solve this. Because in my situation, I bought life insurance and I bought a million dollars. And if I just die, it's going to pay out tax-free. Tax-free. It's going to pay a lump sum. If I'm alive and I need it, I can access it. Mm-hmm. And my break even on that for the premium I'm paying, and everybody's different, by the way. These are all underwritten Based on um, med- you know, medical, and they're going to do all that for both mortality, in my case, you know, living and dying, and morbidity, which is the case that you're going to have some disability or something. So that can affect the amount of coverage you get and the amount you have to pay for that. That's not my work. That's underwritten. That's what partners and insurance partners deal with. But, I mean, my, my break-even on mine, I think, was it, 60 years, 65 years? I'm paying premium. It'll take me 65 years from this point forward to 54 when I took it out 51 or so. That my break even that I will pay in a million dollars equal to what I'm getting. That's going to ultimately. I like those odds. And the other the other piece to a lot of people want to look is that policy with, with, uh, which Rick was just talking. Let's say he needed it for care. That's tax free dollars. Let's say you decide to self insure and you had a quarter of a million dollars. That was your two year expense. So assuming you had two hundred fifty. But let's say that two hundred fifty that was out of your four hundred one k or your IRA. So that two fifty net. That could be north of three hundred thousand dollars. You need to withdraw just to cover the two hundred fifty thousand. So it's not just how much you have and where you're going to self-insure. It's what's the tax the ramifications of it. And we should say we're not we don't give tax advice. That's not no. what we do. So you should check check with your tax advisor in your particular situation. And the laws are constantly changing. So um, you know you don't like the tax laws. Just hang around; they'll change. But Rick, like you mentioned before, it's getting. You know, more mileage out of your dollar. And if you can Absolutely. do it from a tax... And it's leverage. It's leverage. Right. You're leveraging. So think of it like this. We like to... And from a planning standpoint, bird's eye view, we like to look at this at portfolio protection. So maybe I'm carving out. I'm worth a million bucks and I'm paying whatever in premiums. I'm, I'm allocating those premiums, you know, out of my total portfolio net worth to cover me for the potential risk that I may face. But if I don't, Consolation prizes and pays tax freedom to my heirs. Mm-hmm. Hey, what a great and that's, plan B. And that's one of the new, the new um, kind of provisions that came into the, in the life insurance and long term care world. Because before, ten years ago, typically it was your traditional long term care policy, it's just like car insurance. If you never needed it, you paid the premium, you never got it it's back. Gone. It's gone. But, today, but you slept all at night. You did. Today, you're still getting basically that same coverage, but. If you don't need it and an accident happens, at least the beneficiaries are going to be the benefit, the beneficiary of it. Somebody's going to get that money. Either you're going to use it personally or beneficiaries are going to receive it. So, again, getting more mileage out of your dollar. And, again, so how does this translate in the overall financial planning? Well, if, I'm, if instead of, like you said in your example, I'm not writing a check for $300,000 for some major illness. I'm able to access some of this. I've got health insurance then my probability of success because I've got premiums of, say, eight ten thousand $10,000 a year versus that $300,000 out-of-pocket. 
it, it would stand to reason my probability of success of not letting my money should go up. But that's the kind of situation where you say, what am I willing to retain to only buy insurance for that which you don't want to write a check for? Right. Now, we've talked about this in the realm of healthcare. Uh, maybe we should look at it from the scenario, let's take a step back, because the number one concern was about baby boomers outliving their money, their assets. So in this next segment, we're going to drill down on that because there are actually, you know, quote-unquote insurance-type products or, or features, I call it, components that can help you insure against loss, market loss in your portfolio, and therefore increase the probability of success. And these are in an alternative category. Um, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about options. You know, they're called puts, or there's different strategies where you can use, you know, calls. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's called hedging. You hedge a position and uh, it actually protects yourself in the, in the case that the market goes down that it keeps you whole. It's not going to make you, you know, necessarily give you gain, but it will help you against, because we've seen every time in, in, the, in the financial plans that it's the big losses. It's not not hitting a home run. It's the nine innings of strikeouts. <laughs> That's going to get you. A no-hitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're thrown and you're thrown out a no hitter. It's a blind side. It's you know? typically the downside has more effect in the long term than having one phenomenal year on the upside. And that's what that's what risk management is about. It's not about hitting it out of the park like Rick mentioned every time. It's about protecting yourself when that day comes that you are protected and you're not going to take a catastrophic loss because of that scenario, because of that option. But get on our website, straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Ask for any of the free white papers. You can get on our e-newsletter that Rick sends out once a week. All you got to do is ask for it. Yep. We'll give you a free subscription to it. You'll, you'll kind of see the inside, which is probably a scary thing. You see inside my head. Um, and, and, or even what, what our, our view of the market is now. We tend to be off the beaten path. We're, we're using things. You know, Procter & Gamble seems to think it's important to use demographics in their market. One of the most successful little companies like they are. One of the most successful companies in the history of the world. Um, so I look at that and say, you know, demographics is as important to that as it is the financial world. Because you can gauge, and that's not a crystal ball, but you can have in, in a better sense a grasp and handle on most likely the risks associated with the market overall, whether the tide is rising, it's a bull market, it's a bear market, or it's going to be a secular market where it's kind of trading sideways like a seesaw. And those should then, in turn, change your strategy and your outlook. You know, nobody can time this market 100%. If we could, we wouldn't sit here talking about it. Okay, well, I'm buying one of these islands over there they're selling. <laughs> and even though Mark Twain said, buy real estate because they ain't making any more of it, well, I was in Hawaii and there's been 500 acres added from volcanoes. So, sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. That's not right. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to drill down a little deeper on risk liability insurance coverages in the next segment. Rick Saylor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. 
Hey, have you heard about the new long-term care alternatives? Many of you may know how I managed my mother's care and I took her through her money in the spend down into the veterans benefits. My father was a two-time Korean War vet and right into the Medicaid. She started out at $2,700 a month in assisted living and at the end of her life two years later was over $8,000. The three concerns I hear the most about long-term care insurance protection is that it's expensive, the premiums are rising, and I may never use it. Well, why don't you try what I did? I bought a life insurance long-term care. They can't cancel me, the premiums can never go up, and oh yeah, I can spend that death benefit before I die, if I'm critically, chronically, or terminally ill. Be sure and ask your advisor today. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing. If you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. Hey, what about estate planning? An up-to-date will guarantees you're going to go through probate, and without, well, don't worry about it, the government will decide for you. The three enemies to an estate today are number one, the federal inheritance tax, two, probate, and number three, income tax. So your choices here are you can give all your money away, that might not be any fun, you may need it, or you can create a trust to hold those assets. And remember, you don't have to own the assets to enjoy the benefits. So a revocable living trust can help avoid the expenses and costly delays of probate, and along with a living will, power of attorney, durable health care power of attorney. So be sure and ask about our attorney partners today for a free consultation. Rick Sailor, smooth financial sailing for the best part of your life. Money is an awesome thing if you know how to handle it, the joy it brings. You're listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions Radio Show with your no-nonsense host, Rick Saylor. And Eric Hamburg. Well, Eric, we're on this topic of the financial plan and the pieces in the puzzle. Well, you know, we would certainly be remiss if we didn't include, you know, risk liability insurance coverages, which we talked about in the last segment, with regard to the health insurance potential risk. Health insurance, Medicare planning, the new long-term care or traditional long-term care coverages. Uh, so, but then this part, we want to focus on the portfolio possible solutions, you know, where that you potentially could have a downturn like we saw in 2008 where the market lost 50%. Yeah. And you can have, you can, we call it, you can buy term insurance on the stock market. Some people do. It's just, you know, you don't know when that black swan, you don't know when that next event's going to happen. You know, we've seen it in 2001, seen it in 2008 seen it in 87, I believe. So these these occurrences have happened in the past, and they're going to happen again. And you might not necessarily know when that next one's coming. I mean, like Rick mentioned before, in 2008, a lot, a lot of smart people did not see 2008 coming. Lost a lot of money in 2008. But if you're maybe able to protect yourself, you're not going to be able to keep yourself whole, but instead of losing 50, maybe you only lost 5 or 10. So if we're looking maybe in the hidden levers component and somebody says, hey, I think out of those 60 scenarios, this one's likely and I think the ugliest one. Well, then maybe you might want to go in and look in hedging against your stock positions with something called options and using puts just mm-hmm. to keep it simple. So a put position, you're buying uh, for some period of time, and there's a complexity to this, but um, you can buy a downside protection for a premium 
Correct. for some cost. And then would the market, should that occurrence happen and it goes through the, uh, the option point, you know, the price, then it, your, yours comes in, you're in the money, mm-hmm. and somebody else has to give you back the money. So by doing it that way, you are actually mitigating, not eliminating, your risk. Now, you have the premium you have to pay. That's right. But you don't take the loss on your position. So really, there's when you, when like Rick mentioned, when you buy a put, there's three outcomes that can come. The first one is, let's say we're going to buy company A. And it's the stock's trading at fifty dollars a share. We buy the put at fifty dollars a share. If that stock goes up to sixty dollars a share, well, you're out the money you paid for that put. So it cost you three hundred bucks. Well, you lost three hundred bucks. That's first scenario. The second scenario, same company, it's trading at fifty dollars a share. Two months later, it's still trading at fifty dollars a share, and you bought that put protection. Well, then guess what? You're not going to exercise it. So again, you're out that premium. You're out that $300. But the reason you buy that put protection is if you think the stock's going to fall. And same exa- same example, company A, it's $50 a share today. You buy that put at $50. And two months later, now that stock is trading at $30 a share. Well, what you paid $300 for that protection, you exercise it at $50 a share, and you've received the $50 share price for a stock that's only worth 30 so out of pocket, you lost $300 because you had to pay for that protection, but you covered over a $20 stock loss per share. So that's how those puts work. You know, you don't buy puts to make a lot of money. You buy, you buy puts to, stay whole. to protect yourself. Just like the same thing you buy insurance. Think of insurance on your house. You're not buying, you're buying replacement costs. That's right. Right? You're not buying to super build your house. I'm going to build twice the house that I yeah. had before. <laughs> That's not how insurance works. Mm-hmm. And you're out the money you paid for the premium. That's right, no matter what. So now, unlike house insurance and car insurance, where you may have a mortgage or loan, they're going to bank, the lender is going to require you to have that. You're not required to have that in the market. Nope. You're just going to take those losses if you do. Now, we use these strategies with our clients. You know, there's some other interesting ones that you can look at and in, in not drilling down on the details of this, but there are certain types of annuities that will offer you a uh, what they call a living benefit rider that's an income account, and then you have the trading account, let's call it, in, in the um, uh, in, inside the policy. So there's rules to these. Uh, where that you can't take the living benefit rider account in a lump sum if the market's down and that account's up. Mm-hmm. You're going to get less than what you paid for it. And there's costs, there's mortality costs, there's rider costs. So you have to weigh all that in. It could be costing you, you know, three and a half, four percent of your money or higher. But the question is, what's your goal? What's your objective? Well, if you look and say, I'm selling this risk off on this piece of my money. Now, this is what you know, may work well as an alternative. So you may see a guaranteed income rider going up at, say, 6% a year, simple interest. And then if the market does better, then, you know, you get more of that minus your costs and expenses out of that market account. But you're not going to get less than 6 on the roll-up. Mm-hmm. So that could maybe better manage your, your risk component. And, yeah, you're paying a little more for it, but like anything with insurance, you're, you're going to pay for it. They're not doing it for free. Correct. And it's, it's protecting your income in the future. So if the market trades sideways for 10 years or it trades down, well, if you didn't have that protection, you're going to be drawing income off an account value that's either down or flat. Whereas in that annuity, like you were just referencing, you have a protected income that could be slowly growing each year. 
It's an income. It's not a cash value, but it's an income so you can possibly maybe keep up with inflation for that piece of that money. So even though in that actual policy, the current market value of that policy would be down, mm-hmm. you know, in your scenario where you're looking at probability of success, you're looking at an income stream. And so that income stream increases potentially your probability of success should move the needle in your financial plan. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not, again, not advocating the purchase of not using these or whatever. It's just that you find the right tool that fits within how you feel about your risk. And then you deploy that appropriately and you gotta understand the upsides and the downsides to it. Like that you may not be able to walk out with a lump sum of money. So liquidity risk is a different element. You say, I'm probably not gonna walk out with a lump sum of that plan, you know, ever, but I need to know how it pays to me, how it's gonna pay to my spouse, and what's left for my heirs. You know, so all those things need to be considered when you're looking at these. But uh, again, we're not giving advice on it. We're just talking about it as a potential tool and a way to to manage through insurance and selling that risk off to somebody else. And everybody's situation is different. So just because it might have worked for your brother, your sister, your neighbor doesn't mean it's going to work for you and vice versa. Maybe it didn't work for your brother or sister or your neighbor, but maybe it will work for you. So you hear a lot of there's a lot of um, market media that's either very for annuities are very against them and we're not going one way or the other it's if it's is it going to work for you or not here's a here's one solution you know possibly. i don't know i think it's really as simple as saying are you for sunshine or rain or are you against it well we need all of it that's right you know and if it worked one time well for one person it worked mm-hmm. and it's it's not about you it's not about us it's about you because we have clients that don't want to see they don't want to see those market losses and it's i can have an idealized philosophy about how i see the world but it's not about me, nope. right? My risk tolerance may be much higher than yours because I see this stuff and I'm working with it every day. And, you know, so I, I look at this example. So I go back and as we were using demographics, we saw that bubble occurring. Bubbles occur when assets are getting out of line with their natural levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that in the stock market, 2008. So as we were approaching that, we were using some of these kind of tools as protection to an equity to a stock now we don't see stocks so much overvalued although pe ratios price earnings ratios will give us an indication not a guarantee they may be trading 18 to 19 times earnings um but the bonds are the bonds are in a bubble so now now, uh, you know, we may see that as an alternative to using bonds because you're getting, I would expect a bond to give me a 6% coupon or dividend and give me my money back at the end. Well, in, in this kind of scenario, we can be using that as an income stream, not an asset class. So that would be different. Mm-hmm. But I can say this, that I know there, there are a multitude of clients that we use this for and that strategy. And today, even when we go back and benchmark 100% in the S&P 500, which is not appropriate, right? Because... Yeah. Well, we were using it for stock, so I'd say it would be. Mm-hmm. An S&P index, you're not, you can't directly invest in it. And oftentimes, like the S&P 500, if you were all risk on, you were 100% in that, it maybe yielded 6.64. And you got six. And you got six on a guarantee. But you got to sleep at night and you didn't have to worry, is this market coming back? Because you sold it off, you paid, you paid for the insurance, you paid for the protection. Yep. And you, you, know, you're, you almost did as well as that with selling that risk. So you want to make sure that any, of course, annuities are issued to insurance companies. You want to check the viability of the insurance company carrier. We can check that for you. It's a service we use and they 
rank them on five different analysts and then give a Comdex rating. You know, so we will only deal with companies where we only recommend companies in the top, you know, 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've got a Comdex rating of 69, then, you know, maybe not use that. No. Uh, but again, these are just different ideas we're tossing out and how you, what do you, only, only buy insurance for that which you don't want to write a check for. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, you know, here's what we ought to be looking at, you know, as a, you know, does this make you more successful to not take that hit, to still have a viable source of income, you know, at this level, not this one. And some folks are in these annuities now that are quote unquote underwater, which means their income accounts way up here, say at 500,000, but their market value is 250,000. Well, it's going to be awfully tough when they're drawing income to make the and try to make up. that back up to where that the cash market value is going to ever reach the guarantee mm-hmm. but that's what you bought it for correct and especially with i mean think about iras typically you're not going to take big chunks of money from iras because it's taxable but you will draw income off of it so maybe those are better for those types of that type and of i've money. heard for years you have to you know don't don't put a don't put your uh ira money into an annuity because you already got tax deferral on that. Okay, well, consider what you're buying. Know what you're buying, know why you're buying, and know what you're paying for it and what it's going to do for you. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand those four things, don't do it. But your advisor should be well-versed in these and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Whenever I hear somebody, like I think I just saw some well-known guy say, I hate annuities and you should too. And I'm like, you know what? That's an idiotic statement. Yeah. So it's just like, you know. I'm not for or against them. Again, like rain or sunshine, I'm, I'm for all of it because you need both of them. Mm-hmm. And if it works well one time for one person, you can't throw it out because everybody's different. So a lot of good information. This is another piece in the puzzle. We'll continue on next week with another segment, you know, another piece to the puzzle. But um, Go online. All you have to do to access and do this financial plan is call us at 513-454-9999. Visit us at info at Straight Talk Clear Decisions and just simply give us your email address and we can send them out the questionnaire, walk them through the inputs, you know, help them assemble their plan and see, you know, what's working and what's successful and what's not. That's right. And go to our website, straighttalkcleardecisions.com. Ask for a lot of the free reports and white papers that we have. Visit us on social media um, at or our Facebook page is Rick Saylor Financial. We're on Twitter at Rick Tirement, and that's R I K T I R E M E N T. So go check us out and ask for it. This is free information. We're trying to help you out. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Straight Talk Clear Decisions Radio Show with your Straight Talk Money host, Rick Saylor and Eric Hamburg. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 